we believe every person has the right to realize all that is possible for their future. Are you someone who is near retirement, who has been diligent about accumulating wealth and is now navigating the what's next heading into the next chapter of your life? Welcome to the Dream Architect Life Podcast, where money and mindset meet with Brian Sweet and Brittany Anderson from Sweet Financial Partners. In this podcast, we aim to help shift your focus to the things you can control so you can put your money to work in turning your dreams into reality. Through our trademarked process, The Dream Architect, we make wealth planning fun, informative, and enjoyable. Join us on this journey where Brian and Brittany will explore how you can eliminate your limiting beliefs in the pursuit of all that's possible. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome back to the Dream Architect Life Podcast. I am Brittany Anderson and today I have with me an extra special guest. She is about to drop some massive value. This is one that you want to make sure your distractions are all muted, that your antennas are up and you are completely tuned in because there's so much value that you're about to consume. So without further ado, I am going to be bringing to you Carrie Campbell. Carrie is a clinical counselor and has worked with populations ranging from children with special needs and addicts to high performing corporate executives and celebrities from the worlds of entertainment and sport. Her current list of personal clients includes NBA superstars, nine figure corporate executives and individuals working through addiction. She has spoken on stages worldwide as an expert in mindset and emotional intelligence, having co-developed the landmark system, eliminate your limits, a process that New York times bestselling author, Dr. Benjamin Hardy referred to as the most scientifically valid mindset system on the planet. Carrie wrote the Amazon bestselling book, People Pleasing Nearly Killed Me, which sat at the number one on the stress management category for nearly three months after its release in 2016. She's also a wife, a mother of two young adults, two French bulldogs, and is a professional fitness competitor, placing third in the world in 2001. Her personal life goals are happiness, impact, and mastery, and strives to teach and share that with the women in her Unstoppable Woman project as well. Again, you want to tune in as we welcome the lovely Carrie Campbell. Carrie, welcome. I am so glad that we're having this conversation. I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. It's about time. It took us a few tries. <laughs> it did, but you know, with all things, there's purpose. So we were meant to be here right now today. Uh, I agree. So- Carrie, your, your bio gave us the high level of some of the things that the impact that you've made in this world, but I want to know who is Carrie and what got you into the mindset space in the first place? It's so funny that you're asking that question because so just yesterday, I actually had to intro myself to a corporation that I'm doing a consulting contract with. And they asked me to introduce myself as well. And I, I, I was thinking through like, you know, my intro and all that stuff. And I, I remember thinking to myself, like, 
what I do is, is great. What I've done is amazing. But for me, it comes back to who I am and why I do it. Like, that's like, I was like, if I walked away from this intro, what do I want people to know? I want them to know my why, right? So mm. I love that you asked that because I literally was just talking about it yesterday. Um, <laughs> so yeah, for me, I think, I guess there's kind of like twofold, uh, two different ways that I want to look at this. I, I remember God going all the way back to like, I was three years old. I remember at like the age of three, my grandfather who lived just down the street from us, he asked me, he said, you know, Carrie, what do you want to do when you grow up? Like, you know, that proverbial question that everybody asks a kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? And at the very young age of like three, four years old, I remember telling my grandfather that I wanted to change the world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he gave me the he gave me the chuckle that every every older person would give to their grand. Oh, you're so cute. Yeah. You go do that, you know, and you go to you go do that in life. Right. But I, I think one of the things that we have to appreciate is that change the world takes on a bunch of different contexts, depending, you know, like whether it's a Greenpeace or serving, you know, in the military or helping save lives in an ER room or what I do. There's a lot of different ways to change the world. Right. So the the core of my being has always been impact from a very, very young age that when I remember when I graduated from college, I knew not college from high school, I knew exactly what program I was going into what I was going to pursue, I, I knew exactly where I wanted to be and how I wanted to do it. Not necessarily in the details of what type of counselor because I am a clinical counselor, not in those details necessarily, but I just knew I wanted to help people. And math wasn't my strong suit. So it wasn't going to be as a doctor in the, in the business of talking to people instead. So that's kind of the driver of why I got started. You know, it's just been in my core, my entire life. And then right now my, you know, my governing, I guess my governing ethos for myself, my governing goals in my own personal life, they're attached to a quote that I actually have tattooed on my leg. So mm -hmm. I, I read a quote about six years ago. The quote is the um, have a goal so big that you will surely fail unless God or divine forces intervenes. And I remember reading that and I was like, oof, like it hit me so hard. And I just knew how deeply it resonated with me. So I literally went to the tattoo shop that afternoon, got it tattooed on my leg. Now, if you're listening to this and you can't see me, you don't know I'm covered in tattoos. So it was just another addition to my, you know, my collection of tattoos. But I was having a conversation with Brian, my husband, who co-founded our business. We co-founded our business and our program together. And he asked me one day, he was like, you know, I'm curious to know, like, what are those goals? What are the goals that are so big? And I sat with it for a few seconds. And I was actually quite surprised that I only had to sit with it for a few seconds because I think I intrinsically knew what those goals were. And it's not the fluff and stuff. It's not the, you know, I, I want to have, you know, a multi-million dollar business, or I want to change a million lives, or I want to lose 25 pounds. It wasn't the tangible goals. It was really the ethos of my life. And so my, my core goals for life are happiness, impact, and mastery. And it, it is it purposefully the acronym HIM, H-I-M, because it taps into the quote for myself, God or divine forces. And it reminds me that every day I'm striving to be the greatest version of myself. You know, that means ultimate happiness, ultimate impact, and ultimate mastery. They're not always all in balance because we, as a human being, we 
we have ebbs and we have flows and we're not always ultimately happy and we have to master new things. And for me, the, the beauty of all of that is it all comes into the core of being able to impact people and serve and help other people elevate. So that's really the core of who I am. I, I'm, a, I'm a woman who's just striving to be the greatest version of myself. And although that that statement is often overused now and you know misrepresented a great deal, that, that for me is really comes down to that choosing him every single day, happiness, impact, and mastery, and letting my legacy for my own life and for others around me kind of lead from there. So that's who I am and why I do it. Well, I got to say, number one, your energy is contagious. So you can just feel even through, through technology, we're sitting here, if those can't, those of you that aren't watching the video, but we're sitting here through technology and you can literally feel the energy that Carrie radiates when she talks about these things. You know, one thing that comes out in my head, Carrie, that it seems that you have mastered is this whole concept of value alignment. Like every decision that you make, everything that you're pursuing, it's all aligned with values. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think for you, it came very natural and you've just known and you're, you were put on this planet to know, but not yeah. everybody has that same journey. So how does somebody go about aligning themselves to their values and maybe choosing those foundational values? Gosh, that's a, that's a really great question. And I, I actually think that the first thing that we have to do is probably dissect where your values may be sitting right now, because I, so in, in the program that my husband and I created, eliminate your limits, it's an entire mindset program from soup to nuts, you know, everything is inside of it. And it, we, you know, we talk a great deal about influence and understanding that our influence if for the most part has not been chosen by us. You know, from the time we're born until the time we're teenagers, really, we don't have much say in our world around us. So influence being cultural influence, family influence, environmental influence, like it, it varies, right? So the values that we have here in, in North America may be very different than the values that they hold over in Europe or Australia, for example, right? And so I, I think that one of the most important things is to, for a lack of better words, de-influence yourself, right? Understand what are like the values that you're currently holding for yourself. Are they yours or do they belong to either your, your social influence, your family, your parents, your friends, you know, in North America, right? The most common thing is you, you grow up, you go to college, you get married, you have kids, you have the white picket fence. Like it's the American dream, but it's, it's the American dream can't be everybody's dream right? My values can't be everybody's values. The interesting thing is that I have been able to kind of dissect down that most people's values do tend to run a similar, a similar landscape, right? We, we all as human beings are kind of seeking the same things. So I, I think that I spent a great deal of time dissecting my influence and, you know, really understanding what stories do I have that have been adopted for me based on the experiences that I've been in or put in, or just by virtue of the fact that I'm in America, like what are those influences? So by doing that and kind of eliminating a lot of my influences that I, or selecting the influences I wanted versus the ones I didn't want and removing the narratives that didn't serve me and adopting the narratives that did serve me, what I was able to do was to create my compass, my due north, right? And I encourage everybody, you know, in my, in my client work, I encourage everybody to adopt a set of values, these core values of your life, you know, and I always find it so fascinating because we do it in a business setting. 
you know, every, every business does their core values. What are the core values of this? Right. We, my husband and I did it as parents as well with our kids. Like what are the core values of our family? And we had, you know, I can't remember them all right now because it's been so long, but we had like honesty, hard work and respect. Those were our core values and everything kind of came under that umbrella. And so the same thing for me with my values, happiness, impact and mastery everything in my life falls under that umbrella. But the only way I was able to dissect it down to that simplicity was by doing enough mindset work, you know, my own personal work, journaling extensively, conversations, really investing so much more time in myself than investing time in all the things that are extraneous of me. And it's the greatest gift you can ever give to yourself is by doing that for yourself. Mm. You know, I just love that. And I think that introspection is such a powerful thing. When somebody can become so introspective as, as what you're talking about here, it's like you're peeling back the layers and unleashing the true you and who you're meant to be and who you're put on this earth to be. So I would love to know from your perspective, because you started talking about something that kind of sparked, sparked something in my head here. So when you're talking about de-influence, and you're looking at all the things from your life, especially from the period of time where you were heavily influenced, like parents, friends, relationships, whatever that looks like. So where do you see people as they start to kind of de-influence, almost getting in their own way, maybe creating narratives that don't serve their future because they're holding on to things too much that are in their past? Yeah. I mean, gosh, that's, that's a lot to unpack, but only because the, you know, the human, the human mind, the unconscious mind is such a matrix, right? For, for as simple as it is, it's also very complex and, and people get in their own way all the time, right? For a lot of different reasons. I, I think that even, so we, 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 we refer to the four levels of learning a great deal. Like everything that we're trying to learn in life goes through four levels of learning. And I won't go into great detail on them, but I'll just give the four of them. There's unconscious incompetence, where essentially you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. Then there's conscious incompetence, where now you know that you're self-sabotaging, for example, but you don't know how to stop it. And then there's conscious competence, which is the one that's overlooked the most, which is the practice phase, where as long as you stay attentive and mindful, you can practice avoiding self-sabotage. And eventually you get through to unconscious competence, where you don't have to think about it anymore. You just are what you want to be. And so a lot of people when they get stuck in that level two, where they, they know that they're self-sabotaging, they know their stories, but they're still not moving forward. And they're kind of stuck in that space, which by the way, is the most frustrating space to be stuck in with regards to self-awareness. There's nothing worse than knowing you're self-sabotaging and not being able to do something about it right now. There's obviously a lot of answers with regards to tools and strategies, but I think one of the things that's the most important for people to understand is actually kind of pull from neurology a little bit, understanding the way the human brain works. So the human brain, although it craves a certain level of change, it also desires comfort and the known and the familiar. So it's it's kind of like when people say to me, you know, like, I know that I'm in a bad place today and I know what I need to do to get out of it, but I still would rather sit on the couch right now and eat the chips and watch TV, even though I know it's not feeling good and it doesn't serve me. Why am I doing that, Carrie? And it's because that's what the brain knows, right? Even though there's darkness in that space, the darkness presents itself as familiar and comforting to the person. And we also have to remember that the reason, a lot of the time, the reason we self-sabotage is actually a protection, a protection mechanism on a version of ourselves who we used to be. So mm -hmm. for example, in relationships, you know, if, 
if you know you're stepping into a relationship, you've been in an abusive relationship in the past, you might find yourself self self sabotaging a good relationship without realizing why you're doing it. But really, it's your your ego self, as I'll refer to in this call. I won't use our language because nobody will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's really your ego self that's trying to protect you from future hurt based on those past experiences. So the thing to understand about self-sabotage is very few people are self-sabotaging, even though they know their stories. Like, well, we're not doing it because we're stupid. Like, we're not doing it because we don't know what we need to do. Our brain will forever override if we don't have the awareness to override it. So our brain's like, no, 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 threat. You know, it, we're talking very primitive response now, right? I need to keep you safe. I need to protect you. So now I'm going to self-sabotage so you don't have to go into that space where you're going to be potentially in harm's way, which is an interesting, like, it's funny because it's an interesting misconception, I think, about human emotion at large. Like, we're not going to, we're not going to die from human emotion. We're not going to die because we're sad or we're scared or we're overwhelmed or we're afraid or we're nervous. None of those things are going to kill us. And yet our brain will still perceive it as threat. Therefore, if we don't override it and say, no, I'm okay, it's okay to feel this way, we will we will go into a shutdown mechanism and we'll start to self-sabotage. You know, I think about so many different layers here, this podcast as a whole, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, bringing money and mindset together and how so often, and, and, and this is the thing is that, you know, we often work with people who've already accumulated a certain level of wealth that supports more than what their lifestyle demands. They, they're sitting by many different standards, like comfortable, but the thing mm. that we also see is that to just to give a very basic example is that so often people will spend way less than what they're actually able to, if they're looking at their plan and what goals they've set and their own intentions versus overspending. And a lot of it comes from that kind of scarcity mindset. So what happens is, is we have people that are holding themselves back from living fully into the experiences they desire, uh, their next level purpose, the, the kind of journey that they're supposed to be on, they'll hold back because they have that little bit of fear of what if it all goes away. So I think it's so interesting how they come together so much. Yeah. I I actually, I do a lot of coaching around money mindset and, and I think it's, I think it's really important for people to identify what their real story is around money in at large, because I think, you know, I've observed, and I'm sure in what you do, you've, you've experienced this as well. You just made the comment, people who are actually quite comfortable and they're still not happy right? Very rarely is the actual number in the bank account, the issue, you know, like I remember I'm going back like years now, years and years and years ago, like 15 years, you know, when my husband and I got together, he still had lingerings of a, of a money story himself. Mm. And I remember inside of like, I don't know, I want to say like inside of six months, we put a quarter of a million dollars cash in the bank. And I've never seen him more preoccupied with money stories than when we had the quarter of a million dollars in the bank back 15 years ago. And, and it just proves the point that the money is not the story. The, the mm-hmm. money is, is never the story more often than not. Really, you have to understand and dissect what the story is that's driving that scarcity, right? Because it's easy to say like, oh, I have a fear of not having money. But no, you don't. You have a fear of not being safe. You have a fear mm-hmm. of not being able to provide. You have a fear of like in, in our business, I've always, I noticed several years ago that in our business, my, my driver behind any sort of money angst, cause I don't, I don't have money stories was always about like, well, I have people that I'm responsible for, 
that I have to pay. So I, it's, it was not a fear about money. It was a fear of the safety and the security that money presented to me. And so I, I think that that's such an important thing for people to understand. And the, if you're seeking, if you're seeking ultimate security in only a tangible item, you're never going to find it. Right. Like I, I think that the, the greatest way to free yourself from a scarcity of money is having trust and faith in yourself in mm. knowing that no matter what, you're always going to figure it out. You're always going to be OK. You're making the right choices because you're right. A lot of people, especially with money stories, I know I know multimillionaires who are who still have money stories to this day based on their upbringing, based on being able to provide for their family, whatever the case may be, we have to dissect and understand it. If we truly want to change it, we have to understand what the ultimate driver is of that story in the first place. Mm. That's so good. And it it definitely ties in. I think about, you know, we have a a group that we put together here at Sweet Financial called Women Forward, and it's focused on empowering and educating women around their finances, but also just around their life, their journey, their purpose. And we've actually gone through exercises to have people craft, looking back at what your money story has been, and then looking forward at what it needs to be and what you want. And a lot of it goes all the way back to what we talked about earlier with that value alignment and really making sure that you're so in intentional with your future. Uh, Carrie, I think that people often learn so much through other people's stories and Mm -hmm. journeys, especially when they're heartfelt and they're true. So I would love to know what is one of the most difficult lessons that you've learned and it can be life in general, or it can be business, you know, kind of wide open gamut here. Wow. That's (laughs) so that, that caught me off guard, but not caught me off guard in a bad way. Caught me off guard in an interesting way because you know, normally when somebody asks me that question, what's your story? I use the story. That's everybody's story. Cause I do, I have a story. You know, my mom was an alcoholic. She was agoraphobic. She never left the house. She, that, that led into me being in an abusive relationship. My first, my first husband was abusive. I lost myself. That's, you know, I have that story. We all have that story. Right. But uh, the most difficult thing that I've ever had to go through in my life, and I may cry, not going to lie, but it's been one of those weeks. There, there's, I, heard this, I heard this thing yet last week that there's some sort of portal energy open. I don't know. I don't know what's going on in the universe, but everybody I work with has been a little bit sensitive the last couple of days. So we'll see if I can get through this without crying. Um, but no, so my, um, the most difficult thing I've ever had to go with, go through last, last January, so January 2021. So two Januarys ago now, our daughter expressed to us that she had gone through some serious traumatic um, experiences. You know, this is, this is, you know, obviously this is for public for consumption, so I won't give too much away in terms of her story, but she had been, and I don't mind saying this, she had been raped twice and uh, she came forth to us and expressed that to us. And it was just, it was the most difficult thing as, as a parent to go through because you don't wish that on anybody ever. Yet I had to, I had to really kick into a quick action on what that, what this now meant and how, what I needed to do. And so I just, I, I don't like, I, I look back at last year and I think like, where did I even find the skills and the tools? And it, it just reminds me that everything in our life is, everything in our life is a culmination to the point that we're at. And, and everything that I had become and I had grown into was, it brought me to the point that I was at to handle it. And so I had to choose to put down any feelings of guilt or anger or rage at what had happened to her because her life was on the line. She's a 16 year old young girl and she, her life was on the line of her healing and her future. 
And I had to put away my emotions, not in a suppression way, but I had to table them so that I could, you know, I basically had to compartmentalize so that I could take care of her. And so in that year, my husband focused primarily on our business stuff and making sure that everything stayed afloat there while I made sure that she was growing and evolving. And so there were some hard times in there, some hard, unexpected touch and go times. And every morning waking up um, in the early 2021, waking her up in her bed and bringing her food to make sure she ate and to make sure she drank and giving her a reason to live is really, I had to, I had to find a way to give her a reason to live and purpose in her future to not want to just give up. That was the hardest thing I've ever had to go through in my entire life. And it's funny because now on the other side of it, it's like, well, we're, we're not on the other side in, in completion. Obviously you go through that kind of experience. You have to continue the work, but you know, she, she went on that year. I'm a fitness, I'm a professional fitness competitor. She's been with me at all of the events I've ever intended. And she started the year off basically wanting to kill herself and she finished the year on a stage in Atlantic City, becoming the youngest ever professional fitness competitor in our federation and went on that the next April to take third in the USA. So it gets to be a mommy and daughter thing we do now. Yeah. She is uh, she's a co-coach with me inside our Unstoppable Girls Tribe, which is a tribe for young girls to help them develop good, solid mindsets and emotional intelligence. But by far the, the the most challenging thing I've ever had to, I've ever had to grow through. So yeah, that's, that, that's the one that I guess is the newly version, newly updated story. <laughs> I'll tell you as a mom of three young, young kids, I have two girls and a boy. I mean, that, that hits home. I felt myself kind of choking still a little bit right now yeah. is choking yeah. on some emotion there. And Carrie, I think the way that you committed to and, and showed up for her and for yourself and for your family and just poured yourself into that situation is so representative of you embracing mm -hmm. all that you teach too. I mean, let's just, mm -hmm. let's just put it where it is. You know, there's people out there that can talk a good game and that can teach and, and truly, I mean, make it, make a difference still, but it's the ones that live it that I think all of yeah. a sudden become monumental and their impact just grows exponentially. So yeah. this is a little bit along those lines, but I would love to know because what you just laid out there, like I could literally feel like my heart getting heavy thinking mm -hmm. about what you went through, yeah. you know, what are some things that you do or practices that you put in place when you are struggling, when you're down, when you are kind of bottoming out almost to bring yeah. yourself back up and to give yourself yeah. that, that breath of fresh air again? Yeah. Oh, this is okay. That's a big question. Cause our entire program is essentially based on that. And I don't, I'm not going to like, Oh, bore you for the next half hour with all of the stuff. <laughs> so if I, okay. So there, there are two things that come to mind right off the top of my mind is the two biggest bangs for the buck, so to speak. So inside of our program, the Eliminate Your Limits program, we have what we call the four pillars of mindset. And it's a journaling process that is, is, is very much designed to eliminate the negative stories, those negative influence and recreate a new one. And mm -hmm. inside the four pillars, we have learning your language, review your direction, counting your wins and imagining your outcome. All four of those I put into practice daily. Now I've adapted them over the years on how I integrate them daily because I'm more seasoned at it. I'm, you know, I, I practice them nonstop throughout the day. So I've adapted them daily. But, you know, if I think going back to last year, 
where my days were very limited in my own time. I didn't have time to sit down and journal for three hours like I love to do. Uh, the two pillars in there that I would lean on daily are starting my day with intention, which is what we would refer to as direction review. So every single day, I myself ask myself, what matters most today? What matters most today insofar as the vision that I'm creating? Now, I do a lot of vision work for myself as well as for my clients. Like, what are we creating this year? Where are we going? But, you know, if I'm showing up and I need to be a mom who's going to be in this position, what matters most today? So by asking myself that question every single day, I've, I've become very skilled at being able to say, okay, I'm working on this, 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 and this based on who I am as a physiological being today what do I need to put into place? So that's the first thing I do. I start every day with intention. I think that every day, 365 days a year should be started with intention. The only thing that's a little caveat to that point is that you can't be intentional if you have no vision. Mm. You, it's, it's, like a, it's like a ship in the middle of the ocean without rudders. Like they, you can't be going anywhere if you don't have a vision. So I always think that the top down matters. So vision is really, really important. What are your goals? Where are you going? What are you creating? So I, I start my day every day with intention. I end my day every day with counting my wins. Come hell or high water, I ask myself, how did I win the day? Big and small. And this is the most important thing for people to know, though, is that wins are not just the big things. Like I made $10,000 today or I lost five pounds today or what? Like if you lost five pounds in a day, there's a problem. But you know my point. <laughs> but the point being is that looking back on the day, how did I win? You know, and, and it was funny because just yesterday, I was, remember I was counting my wins with my clients and I'm like, this is the last thing I want to do right now. Like mm -hmm. I was tired, I was sore from training, but, and I, and I tell my clients that cause I want them to know that I too go through the days where I don't feel like doing this, but every win big and small gets counted in there. So those are the two pillars I use. Now, the third thing that I, I always tell my clients to do, and I use myself when I'm like down in the dumps, hard day, whatever, it's what we refer to as connection ports. So the best way to describe what a connection port is, is to think about your cell phone. Your cell phone is pretty much probably charged all the time, right? And when that battery starts to drain, like we all scramble to like put it on low battery mode and like what apps do I need to get rid of? Cause we can't let our cell phone die because our cell phone is our lifeline, right? You could just plug it in. What we need to learn how to do is do that for ourselves. And we need to have a list of things that are our connection ports that essentially recharges our battery. Mm -hmm. and, and it's really important, like I'm using the word R on purpose because it's not what my connection ports aren't gonna be relevant necessarily to you. And yours aren't gonna be relevant to my husband. Like we're so unique as human beings. Like sometimes I hear people say things like, everybody's gotta meditate. Everybody's gotta do yoga. And I'm the one who's like, no, everybody does not need to do what everybody needs to do. Because if you put me in a yoga room and I've done yoga, I love yoga but it is not a place that I find balance. It mm. requires more energy and more output for me to do yoga than it would if I went to the gym and, and squatted 300 pounds. So your connection ports are things that you do that essentially fill your bucket back up. They should be effortless. You lose time doing them. You could do them basically anytime. Doesn't necessarily mean that you don't have to kick yourself in the pants to get started. Like a good example, last year, I was flipping time between Arizona and Florida. Our daughter lives in Arizona. We lived in Florida and I was going back and forth. Um, and it was a Friday night. And my, my best friend who lives in Arizona was like, come out for dinner with us. And I was just like, oh, 
I don't really want to go out, but I knew that that time and that space is a connection port and I was going to leave feeling better. So I dragged myself out anyways, and I felt so much better on the other side. An example, like for example, my connection ports are, you know, I love being outside and in nature and moving. Moving for me is a big thing. As long as I'm moving, I'm pretty good. So that might look like hiking. That could look like running errands. That could also look like cleaning my house. Movement for me is a huge connection port. Animals are a huge connection port for me. My dogs are my world. Mm -hmm. Sinking into them or any other dog, like literally my, my computer faces the street and every day this, there's the same little Frenchy dog that walks by and I interrupt whatever call I am to look at the dog. Like, because just <laughs> looking at the dog releases oxytocin into my system. Anything creative, time with my family, these are all connection ports for me. And you gotta find yours so that you know you can tap into them on a regular basis. And so you, you wanna be proactive with them, but you can also be reactive with them. You know, when I have clients who are like, like just yesterday I had a client who was in a major panic attack and I had to have a, a like a quick last minute phone call with her. And I said to her, she knows her connection ports. And I'm like, it's a connection port day, table everything else. It's mm -hmm. time to go and get into your connection ports. It's the best way to reset when we're in a negative place. Because the thing is, is what you have to appreciate is when you're in a negative cycle in your thoughts and your mind and your emotion, you're not going to be able to rationalize yourself out of it anyways. We, we should never try to solve the problems we're in, when we're in a bad place, ever, like ever, ever, ever. It's like when we have to practice not thinking, because I've seen so many people, they're in a bad place, they're overwhelmed, they're stressed, and they try to force themselves to do something, and it only makes it worse. That's when I say stop, pause, and get into a connection port. You're going to rebalance yourself. And you're going to come back 10 times stronger in an hour from now or a day from now. So uh, counting wins, intentions of the day and connection ports would be the, my top three things I would tell people to do. Mm. You know, I absolutely love that. And we've talked quite a bit on this podcast actually about, you know, how important it is to track the good to, you, you call it counting your wins, doing those things or, or taking notice of the things in your life that are good. You know, it's the old adage, you know, every day may not be good, but there's something good in every day. There's something 100%. that we can find. I mean, there's been times where I've literally been writing down some of my wins for the day. And I'm like, my coffee cup was like perfect heat. <laughs> And that's all I could come up with that day, but it, but it matters. Good. It matters. Yeah, it matters. It makes a difference. So totally. Carrie, I would love to know, and this kind of flips us to the other side as, as we're getting close to rounding out here is I want to know what does dreaming big mean to you? Somebody who embraces positive mindset, who has achieved so many great things, who was put on this earth to change the world. What's dreaming big to you? Oh, that's a really good question. So I think that the first thing that I need to say to everybody listening to this is dreaming big is an evolution and a journey in and of itself. Mm. And I, and I think that you have to, sometimes people need to be a little bit more gentle on themselves for not having a dream. That seems like the big ostentatious dream that some people have. We have to appreciate where we're at when we're dreaming and recognize that you, you got to set a dream that's enough to make you nervous, but not enough, not so much that it shuts you down. Right. So we have to find that middle ground because I've learned how to dream bigger. The older I've got, the more practice and the more mastered I've got. So that for me is, is, you know, really important to say at the top of that, because I never want people to listen to something like this and be like, oh, I need to have dreams like Carrie. You got to remember, I've got 20 years of practice of solid mindset work behind me. Right. So I'm not going to have my ego coming in and shutting me down. Mm -hmm. But dreaming big for me is, is really, I, I guess, like doing, doing the things that, that caused people's mouth to drop open, but not, mm -hmm. not because 
I want the accolades, but because I want to live that kind of life, you know, case in point, you know, changing a generation. (laughs) It's a big dream to have, but you know, we're currently, my husband and I are currently working on releasing an app that is going, that we're partnered with a bunch of, you know, celebrities on. And it's going to be the first app of its kind that basically combines video game technology, AI, and our mindset protocols for teenagers to eliminate teenage suicide and the use of pharmaceuticals. Like we want to eradicate suicide. Like that's a huge dream. Like that's, that's a dream that like you tell that to people and they get goosebumps and then they basically tell you you're crazy. What, (laughs) you know, you get one of those two things because how do you change a generation? You, and you know, for me, like one of the things I always say is that that's not the kind of dream that you write a business plan for. That's the kind of dream that you build your life around. My, my life is built around that dream, that vision. And we won't, we won't stop until, until we die with regards to that dream. The other one for me, the other, the other side of it for me is, is kind of like defining expectations of what, what would be socially acceptable, but not for the purpose of being a rebel. Like I'm not a rebel. It's not my character. Not, it's not, it's just not who I am. I, you know, my husband would be the first one to tell you that I'm the person who really just doesn't care what, like, I don't care what people think about me. Right. But, you know, I'm, I'm 44 years old. I started competing in fitness when I was 16 years old. I abandoned it at 18. I picked it back up again when I was in my thirties, I retired from it after a first couple shows. Cause I didn't like it. I took the stage again in 2021. I placed pro in my first show. And then I took third in the world at my second show. Uh, and now my goal is to, my dream there is to be a world champion. Like I, I'm at the age of 44, my, I'm working on a world champion title and, and I don't plan on stopping until I've achieved it. Now I can say that and say that the wind could blow and I could change my mind and decide to be a world champion powerlifting instead of fitness competing. I don't know, but I like setting myself goals that are so big that like I, well, to go back at the top that they, they adhere to my values. Am I mastering the greatest version of myself? Am I happy doing it? And I am I impacting and serving people along the way? Those are big dreams for me. The ones that, you know, leave people with their mouth gaping going, oh my gosh. But I, I want to say it again. I don't do it to impress other people. I, I do it for myself because those core values of happiness, impact, and mastery really are the drivers for me in my life. Mm. Well, that was probably one of the most powerful responses I've had to that question. <laughs> I mean, I think about, yeah, just this, the whole cycle and waking up each day for something that is so big, like that's scary for a lot of people. Like you said, they probably look at you like, oh my gosh, like that's yeah. a game changer. How the heck are you going to do that? But that's the right. kind of thing that we want to encourage people to pursue. And, and I think totally. it brings up one point that there's so much power to who you're surrounding yourself with too. So for Mm -hmm. you and Brian, you know, you guys are on this mission together and you've got people around you that are, you know, mission driven individuals that are pursuing greatness and great impact. I should say Mm -hmm. not everybody has that type of people around them. So that's why bringing people like you to this podcast and putting resources in front of our community and beyond is so important because we want people to have those people in their lives. A hundred percent. You know, I'm a really big believer in cultivating and curating the influence you want. You know, if we kind of tap into influence again, like we, we don't have to pretend that, that someone is throwing Instagram and Facebook in our face and saying, here, read this. We're, we're, we are actively reading it. You know, we are actively watching it or paying attention yeah. to it. If we, when you really understand the matrix of how influence creates your reality, 
or the your environment creates your reality, the people you're around, you, you start to get more selective. You start to get more selective and or you start to seek out who you want to be around and what you want your influence to be. And, and I'm like, I've actually, I've actually had clients of mine that I've put on what I call information sabbaticals where I'm like, okay, no more podcasts, no more this, no more that, because not because the information they were consuming was not good, but because the information they were consuming was confusing them and overwhelming them. And it wasn't serving them. And, you know, that brings me back to like the, the greatest question I think that anybody can ask themselves is, does this serve me? Is this serving me? Is this serving me to become a better version of myself, find myself, understand myself, set my goals? Now, granted, of course, there's a certain level of self-awareness you have to have. You have to be a certain level of awake to be able to know if something's serving you. But, you know, most people know in their gut, you know, like this isn't really helping me get to where I want to be this, you know, and a lot of times I actually have to coach people through like when their family or their friends are not good influences, what do they do? And I'm like, let's not pretend that you just because they're family, just because she's your sister or she's he's your brother does not mean that they have to be part of your primary circle of influence, mm-hmm. right? They're, they can be in your circle, but they don't have to be the ones that are primarily pumping you with information and inspiration or on in that case, the other side of it, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's, that's so dead on. So Carrie, if people want to learn more about your programs, your platforms, how you could potentially serve them, or even just to follow your journey, how can they get a hold of you? It's so funny. I just picked up my phone and I'm going to tell you why, because you know, a couple of weeks ago, my, all of my, all of my social media got, I got taken down on all of it. So I don't actually know my own Instagram handle at the moment. That's why I had to pick up my phone to figure it out. I'm like, Oh wait, what is it? Uh, yeah. The, the easiest way to find me is through Facebook and Instagram. I respond to all of my messages. So on Facebook, just my profile page, Carrie Campbell, I run a group for women, a free group for women, the unstoppable woman daily. It's been a little bit dormant the last couple of weeks as I've been reestablishing my social media, but those two places for sure. And the other place, which is more, it's, I was going to say it's more my personal journey, but they're all my personal journey. It's just more my athletic career is uh, my Instagram. That's Carrie underscore Campbell underscore WBFF pro diva. And then we also have, I'm just going to get the other one for you because how funny is this that I don't like, I'm not the only one who doesn't know my, my Instagram handles. I know it. The other one that I have is unstoppable.woman.mindset, which is my new page that we're kind of starting to get active again with regards to what I'm doing for the unstoppable woman project, but I answer everything. So if anybody messages me anywhere, you can find me and question me. Mm, I love it. So, and, and you're not the only one that doesn't know your handles because I swear if I don't have my little cheat sheet in front of me, I'm like, I don't know, Brittany Anderson, which is like the most common name ever. <laughs> I know. Well, Carrie Campbell's not that much more uncommon either. I'm like, I don't Instagram carry something. Yeah, no, that's so funny. So my final question, and I like to ask this of all of our guests, but what haven't I asked you that I should have? Oh my gosh. That's a great, great question. Okay. You know what? I'm actually going to tap back into the whole concept of vision. What's, what's the most important thing in, in achieving your goals? I I guess it would Mm. maybe the good question to ask. I, I think that the most important thing that we have is vision. And, and I think if we don't have vision, we have nowhere to go. You know, we have this, this quote, hold the vision, trust the process, commit to today. And we all talk about simple and consistent and execute the day to day things. But if you don't know that ultimate vision of where you're going, 
you really don't have any idea what you're supposed to even do today and how you're going to show up today. And I always encourage people to take the time to really curate your vision. And I'm not talking a vision. Again, we do really good at creating a vision in business. We don't do so good at creating a vision in our personal lives outside the tangible goals. If I want to lose 20 pounds, nobody wants to lose 20 pounds. No, yes, you do. But what you really want is you want the way you're feeling after you've lost the 20 pounds. So I do an exercise myself and I, and I do it with all of my clients every year at the beginning of the year, we write our, our vision story. So our vision story for 2023, where I project forward to the end of next year, at the end of 2023, I always choose Christmas Eve as the place that I transfix the story because Christmas Eve is such a, a, an important holiday in my childhood. It was the night that we celebrated. Mm -hmm. And I and I write a story. And, and when I say I write a story, I mean, it is literally like an eight page short story about where I am, what I'm doing, who's with me, what what what's the weather like outside, you know, like I, I've been reading it for the last three weeks because I've been teaching it to so many people, but it has every little detail in it. Like there's so many details in it that like even my dogs have goals for next year. Like that's like, like that's how detailed it is. But the it, it encompasses the feelings, the emotions, and it encompasses the tangible things that I'm, I'm aiming to accomplish next year, but not in a list form and not in a goal form. So once I've created that vision story, then I create an anchor statement to the story that I hold at the top of my mind all year long. And, and that for me becomes the, the compass for everything that I'm going to accomplish in the coming year. The reason I use the year and not five years, 10 years is because from a mindset standpoint, my experience is most people, when you ask them what they want their next 10 years to look like, they throw up. They have no idea, yep. <laughs> right? They have no idea what they want it to look like, where they're going to be. So uh, rather than putting people into the place where they're, they're, they're not moving forward because they, it's too big and they can't, they can't even think about that. I bring people back to the year in front of them. What is this? And then from there, we come back into the each quarter, each week, each day, but vision is so important. And, and I encourage everybody to, to ask yourself what that means to you in all planes of life, health, wealth, relationships, body, mind, soul, you know, what do you have to do? What do you want to do? Write a story for yourself and, and read it back to yourself every week and then align your goals and your intentions around it every single week of the year. You will find yourself closing out next year in a really solid place. Mm, that is so beautiful. So impactful. Carrie, thank you for sharing your genius today. I'm so grateful to you. It was such a pleasure having this conversation. Thank you so much. That wraps up today's episode of the dream architect life podcast. Be sure to like, and subscribe so that you're the first to know when more brilliance like our friend, Carrie shows up on the show. You'll be the first to know. We'll catch you back here next time. Thank you for listening to the Dream Architect Life podcast, where money and mindset meet with Brian Sweet and Brittany Anderson. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. If you heard something that really hit home for you, please share it with those you want to be helpful to. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Sweet Financial Partners. 
The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your retirement planning.